Hey everyone, Kwame here, and welcome to 8-Minute Idea. If you're listening to this podcast having listened to my last, then chances are that one or both of the following things are true. A. That podcast left you curious enough to want to hear what comes next. Or B. You heard me say work, play, or feel better in the outro, and you kind of like the sound of that. If it's the latter, welcome to the club. After all, if you're working and playing better, you're probably also feeling better. And if you're feeling better, well, you get the idea. But here's a question. Do you think there's an inevitable correlation between what we do and how we feel? Are we really at the mercy of precisely the right conditions of work and play to feel the way we want to? And especially in these times of pandemic uncertainty in which our customary catalog of life conditions may not be available to us, do we still have any control over how we feel? Well, when I think about my own conditions for feeling good, I can tell you what's right at the top of the list. Food. I love food. I can literally reel off a list of feel-good foods and I know I'm not alone there. Can I get an amen? Okay. Let's talk about food culture for a minute. Although I said I love food, to be precise, I love to eat, not to cook. And I've actually been known to spend hours and hours watching other people cook on TV. I'm not watching them cook to learn how to do it myself, so much as I'm watching to share in their experience of how food makes them feel and why it means so much to them. Over years of consuming this kind of entertainment, I've watched many food fads come and go. But I do find it interesting that some have become really long-lasting, occasionally ending up as permanent fixtures in the culture of food. One of these trends is the idea of cooking with seasonal ingredients. With people becoming increasingly concerned about the environmental impact of food, our water consumption and overall carbon footprint, in early 2020, food writers predicted an uplift in local and seasonal eating, which had already been popular even before that. This particular trend, it was anticipated, was going to see people becoming more flexible, making the most of changing ingredients throughout each season and appreciating the peak flavor of diverse produce. While many other predicted food trends for 2020 were scrapped in March when the coronavirus arrived along with worldwide lockdown measures and a huge contraction in the hospitality industry, the trend of seasonality not only turned out to be as resilient as the virus, but actually saw growth in times of closed borders and supply chain interruptions. The reasons for this range from local choices being reliably on supermarket shelves to a resurgence in homegrown produce. And frankly, I could go on and on about food and food culture, but 
I've only got what's left of our eight minutes, so here's the point. There's a deeper philosophy here which causes seasonality to be far more fundamental than any passing trend. Because seasonality is about sustainability. That means that what's naturally available in its time and place is reliable and doesn't have to be sourced or imported. While I was working on editing the first eight-minute idea, I discovered to my dismay that I had to re-record the aforementioned outro, a section where I talk about working, playing, and feeling better. On the day I was to do it, I was feeling really exhausted. I had spent most of the day in bed, resting, and really just wanted to stay there, maybe with some snacks to keep me company. But I eventually forced myself to get up and go to my desk just to get the recording done. Boy, was it tough going at the start. But after I had done a few rehearsal takes, I noticed this incredible energy rising in me seemingly out of nowhere. It was as though just by saying high-energy words about living better, I was getting a pulse of high energy. I finished the recording practically vibrating and was sitting at my desk reflecting on the experience when it occurred to me that I knew what was going on, at least in theory. I had encountered mention of this phenomenon during my yoga teacher training as part of the ultimate guide to feeling better, the Yoga Sutra, written by the sage Patanjali, somewhere between 400 and 500 BC. In his compilation of short statements known as sutras, or threads, about the human condition, Patanjali writes that influences such as sickness, doubt, laziness, and even lack of progress can act as barriers to our well-being, resulting in distress. He then goes on to provide a really practical list of things we can do to alleviate that distress, one of which is, and I quote, cultivating thoughts that are luminous and free of sorrow. During our training, we were encouraged to try these techniques because, as we were told, the theory was one thing, but we couldn't ever really understand far less teach things we hadn't experienced. I just couldn't believe that it was possible to directly influence my life's feel-good recipe using only the most locally sourced and sustainable ingredients. My own thoughts. It seemed too far-fetched for me at the time. I was much more interested in 90 minutes of hot, sweaty yoga or anything else that was more tangible. I'm not saying I now feel in any way expert at approaching my sense of well-being in this way, but I definitely had a meaningful and probably repeatable experience, and I wanted to share it with you guys. You see, we're all familiar with the idea that we are what we eat, but I guess it turns out that on the mind-body continuum, we may also be what we think and what we express as thought. So, Here's some food for thought. Maybe we don't need intermediary steps of work or play to feel better. Maybe we don't need to import exotic, irrelevant or out-of-season life ingredients 
to reproduce mental recipes we believe are the only ones that can do us good. And maybe we can farm seasonal, readily available, and sustainable thoughts in the back garden of our own mind, appreciating their diverse flavors while working to ensure that they are as sun-ripened as we can possibly make them. And that's your 8-Minute Idea. Thanks for listening to this 8-Minute Idea. Please subscribe or follow if you enjoyed it and look out for new episodes coming weekly. Till next time.